Hi, this is Pastor Matt, and you're listening to the Lakeside Church Weekly Message Podcast. This is where we broadcast our Sunday morning teaching, so if you missed it or want to hear it again, you're in the right place. Every week we try to teach God's Word in a way that is real so that it becomes alive to you as you hear it. If this message speaks to you in any way, let us know by clicking on our website's contact page at lakesidelife.org where you can find out more about the church, watch some videos, and even give online. Thanks for listening, and enjoy the podcast. So, welcome. Man, that was a good time of worship. Um, so, uh, Becky Joe's not here. Uh, neither is Leo. I, usually, he's the one crying in the nursery, but today he's not, so uh, it's good. Yeah, definitely, um, you know, if you guys remember, uh, definitely pray for Becky. She's been struggling uh, for a little while now with the flu, which is never, never fun. I didn't even know if it was flu season, um, but apparently it is. So just as a general warning to the congregation, watch out. Go get your flu shot. So um, if you are a first-time guest or maybe you've missed the last few weeks, we are currently going through Genesis. Genesis. And uh, man, it, it's been so crazy, right? Because so on Tuesday nights, the students get together. Uh, we meet, uh, you know, from 6th to 12th grade every Tuesday night, starting at 6.30. And uh, the entire church, right, from what we teach here on Sunday morning to uh, even uh, in the toddler area, we're all going through Genesis. And we've all been looking at different aspects of it. And it's so interesting to see God moving in every level of that. I mean, in students, we're getting these questions, and the students are engaging with God's word and, and just coming up with questions that are really, you know, trying sort of the, the biblical knowledge of the, of, the, of the student leaders, and we're having to, you know, to go back and research, and it's just this awesome engagement. And even here, like, it's been awesome in life groups and discipleship groups to see God moving through his word. And today, we're going to kind of continue that trajectory, and we're going to be in Genesis chapter 12, specifically looking at the first nine verses. So if you have your Bible or your Bible app, um, definitely turn to uh, Genesis chapter 12. Now, just uh, to kind of set the stage, this is, this is an amazing passage of Scripture. And what I'm going to try to do today is, is make an argument for why this passage. These first nine verses of chapter 12 set the stage and really are an overview, a summary, if you will, of the entirety of God's word. That everything starting from these first nine verses will tell you everything you need to know about the rest of the Bible, all the way through Revelations. So how did we get there? Well, let me kind of set the stage here. So I like to think of the first 11 verses as the prologue, or basically an introduction of Genesis. See, what happens is that in Genesis chapter 1, which we got into at the very start of this series, God creates everything that we see. He creates the world. He creates the heavens and the earth and the fish and the birds and the ocean and even man. And at the very end of each stage of creation, he says, it is good. See, at the very beginning, we see the writer in Genesis saying, here is creation, here is God, and it is good. And he sets the stage, but he moves very quickly through that. I mean, imagine all of the detail and all of the intricacies that go into creating everything that we see today. But yet we get it in just the first chapter 
And then the second chapter with the creation of man and woman. And he continues to breeze through this. And he goes on. And then Genesis continues through, and all of a sudden we, we encounter the fall. Man falling from a relationship from the grace of God. And then very quickly, we continue to move, and we see Cain and Abel, and then man's continued challenge with our internal desires and our internal relationship and, and just how we are oriented towards God. And it continues very swiftly through the flood and with Jonah, and, or not, sorry, not with Jonah, with Noah and going through. And, and so many questions, right? When, when we went through this section, um, you know, even with Cain and Abel, like, some of the students were like, you know, who was, who was this other people? Like, how, how did they marry? Like, what's all these questions? Even with the ark, right? How did all of that work? Like, what were the animals? I mean, there's so many questions go into this, but we just breeze through it. And then last week, we come into this sort of story at Babel, right, where the world, uh, the entire population of the earth had come together to form sort of one society and one language. And they had essentially departed from everything that God had ordained in their life. And in, basically, they were just consumed with their own desires and, and building up their own security and their own identity and, and their own community. And yet we still are just really swiftly going through that. And see, last week, we, we talked about how man came together and, and, you know, through this experience, God ends up separating man across the earth. And in every single one of these quick little glimpses through the first 10 chapters, uh, the first 11 chapters of Genesis, there's this constant sort of cycle. And that cycle is this, is that God says, man, this is what I want for your life. This is the type of relationship that I want. And then man says, no, I'm going to choose my own way. I'm going to go my own path. And then God by himself extends his mercy and extends his grace. And it's this constant cycle, cycle, cycle through the first 11 chapters of Genesis. Now, what's interesting about last week that we looked at in this situation in Babel was that there wasn't a clear sort of answer when it came to God's grace, that the cycle was kind of left hinging, or it was, it was almost like left out, right? God came into the city and said, we must scatter them, right? Because if, if they continue to have this common language in this common society, that we won't be, they'll be able to accomplish anything. And so he scatters them and, and, and confuses their language, but there's no substance around, well, what was God's grace? What was God's sort of grace action in that? And this is where things really pick up. And so that's kind of the context and where we're at. And see, when we get into Genesis chapter 12, these first nine verses, this is where God's grace and that action that we miss kind of in Babel is revealed. And he reveals it through his servant, the, the patriarch Abram. And so if, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to chapter 12, and we're actually going to quickly read through the first nine verses, and then we're going to go back in and dissect them. And I kind of broke, broke out these nine verses into three parts, and we're going to systematically go through each one and just draw out the truths that God has for us in this. And I promise you'll be able to see how the rest of the Bible, how the rest of Scripture is really summed up in these first nine verses. Before that, let's pray. 
Lord, we just come to you humbly uh, in this moment to ask that, man, you would just meet with us, that you would speak through me, that you would speak into the hearts of your people. Lord, I pray that we would just calm our hearts, that we would be focused on your word. And Lord, most importantly, I, I pray that we would just have humility towards your word. Lord, we praise the, pray these things in your name. Amen. So starting in verse 1. The Bible says, The Lord had said to Abram, and, and just FYI, Abram is also Abraham, so I might interchange these, uh, and, and we'll, we'll kind of get to that, but um, sort, of, sort of continuing verse 1. The Lord had said to Abram, Go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all the peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So Abram went, as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he set out from Haran. He took his wife, Sarah, his nephew, Lot, and all the possessions they had accumulated and the people they had acquired in Haran, and they set out for the land of Canaan, and they arrived there. Abram traveled through the land as far as the site of the great tree of Moor at Shechem. At that time, the Canaanites, uh, the Canaanites were there in the land. The Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your offspring, I will give this land. So, he built an altar there to the Lord, who had appeared to him. From there, he went on toward the hills east of Bethel and pitched his tent, with Bethel on the west and Ai on the east. There, he built an altar to the Lord and called on the name of the Lord. And finally, in verse 9, then Abram set out and continued toward Negev. So this first part, I want to kind of get into verse 1. This first part I'm calling the call. Because it's in this moment, right in verse 1, that all of the past 11 chapters have set up this moment, set up this relationship between man and God, and have fully identified the character and the nature of God. And this is the point where the story for the rest of God's word starts to unfold. So in verse 1, the Lord had said to Abram, Go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. See, God had called Abram to journey with him to a place that was unknown, that God was going to show him down the road. And most importantly, God called Abram to leave everything that he knew. Now here's the challenge with that, that sometimes when you read scripture, it's easy to sort of disengage from the context that we have in this day and to read what, what Abram must have been going through. See, today, if you come to me and you're saying, George, I think God is calling me to, to go on a mission. George, I think God is calling me to, to move my family. George, I think God is calling me to have this, this conversation that I, that I haven't really 
been wanting to have with this individual. George, I think God is calling me to extend forgiveness and, and sort of reconcile this relationship in my life. I can, I can, I can deal with that. Right? I can work with you in that because I have context and I have substance. And most importantly, I have a testimony. Right, I, I have things that I can point to in Scripture and say, look, all of those things that God is asking you to do, he's asked others to do. And, and here is what happened. And, and let me show you. And, and let me tell you about a time that God has, has asked me to do that very same thing in my own life. But see, here's the thing. Abram, Abram didn't have that. God was singling him out, and he said, Abram, you're my guy, and this is what I want you to do. And it was interesting that Abram was 75 years old at this point. See, you know, in context, right, for us, we were like, wow, he was really late in years, right? God God must have been wanting to do something amazing, Right? And Abram actually lived to be 175 years. So, you know, he was probably around the same point in his life as, as most of you guys. And the reality is that God was able to use him no matter where he was, no matter what age, no matter what location, because God wanted him to go on this journey and leave everything behind. So what Abram had kind of was no use to God at this point, because God was requiring Abram to walk down a road purely on faith. Not on what his pastor had said or his friends have said or what he read, purely because he was God. And not only that, there's three things that we can kind of pull out just from this verse that I think are really applicable to anybody sitting here. No matter if you've been a believer for 15, 20, 50 years, or you're brand new to the faith, or even if you're just seeking, there's three things that God specifically calls out to Abraham and says, I need you to have faith in this. And the first thing is this. He says, go from your country. Go from your land. Go from your community. See, to obey the command to go out from your land meant leaving Abram's familiar surroundings, his community. See, Abram had traveled with his father, and he had come to this land, and and everything that he knew, he had laid down his roots in this land. He was familiar with it. It's so interesting. So, so I grew up as a military brat, and my mom's been, you know, divorced and remarried, and so we, we had all of these dynamics when I was growing up, and so life was never constant, right? You never heard that saying, the only thing that you can count on is change, right? The only thing that's constant is change. The reality was I, I was always moving around. I was always in new families and, and new places, and so for me, I look at this, and I'm like, yeah, let's do it, God. Like, sign me up. But see, God brought me a spouse, Becky Jo, who has grown up in Leighton her entire life. She's rooted. Her family lives here. All of her friends live here. Everything that she knows is here. Her community is here. And so for her, this call to leave the land, to leave the community, to go from your country is challenging. And we talk about it from time to time, and it's interesting that God points this out. He says, I know that you have this value in this, in this, this time with community, but I'm asking you to leave it. And I'm asking you to put your faith in me. Put your trust in me. The next thing that, that God calls Abram to is f- for him to go from his people. 
He calls him to leave behind his clan. And most importantly, I think for most of us, his security. See, one's extended family, our relatives, our friends, our tribe, they're our chief source of security. They're our foundation. You know, one of the great things I love about this community, about this specific body of believers, is our life groups. Because that's the time where we come together, we share our meal in in each other's homes, and we get to live life together. And that's not something that is always butterflies and rainbows. It's difficult. We have people battling cancer. We have people battling uh, financial issues. We We have people battling real problems. And the reason that we're able to share and the able that we're, re- that we're able to, to live this life together, it's ups and it's downs and it's peaks and it's, it's valleys, it's because that there's security in that. There's relationship. God works through us and, and he allows us to, to experience one another and most importantly experience God's grace through other people. And God was specifically calling Abram to go from that to leave his, his, his sort of security, his clan, uh, his family, his tribe, his relatives. And he was asking him to do that in faith. And the last thing that God specifically called Abram to leave was his father's household. See, back then, you had an identity as a man because of your family uh, lineage, because of your, your father's household, because of your father's name. Abram had received his name and identity from his father's house. In fact, Abram means exalted father. At first a tribute to Terah, his dad, and then later to Abram as well. See, obeying this command to go out from his father's house meant leaving his name behind, leaving his very identity behind. In other words, going to a place where he was unknown. You know, I, I know a lot of us have jobs and, and we work, and, and for me, this has been so challenging for me because I find a portion of my identity way too often in my job, in my career, in the value that I bring to an organization or, or a, a community. And man, what God was calling to Abram was to not only leave his land, to leave everything that he knew. He knew exactly where McDonald's was and R.C. Willie. Like, he knew the fastest way to the grocery store. He was calling him to leave all of that. And not only that, to leave the security of the people around him that he knew if he fell to the very depths that there was a community of people who would reach down and pull him back up and help him and support him. And not only that, God was calling him to leave his very identity. Everything that he had worked so hard to build up and everything that he had inherited from his dad, his father, and his father's father, he was calling him to leave it. And he was asking him to do that in faith and trust. Man, that would be insanely difficult. And yet, Abram goes. He looks at that road and he says, God, I hear you, and I'm going to be obedient to what you've called. Now, before this, it was interesting. Matt was saying, hey, I was looking through your slides, and it's all to, like, leave community. Do I need to do that? And I said, I, I don't know. 
Like, this isn't for me to tell you, you need to leave your community. You need to stop, you know, calling your grandma once a week. You need to leave, you know, your father's name. You need to leave the identity that you've worked. I don't know what God is specifically calling you to, but I know that he's calling you to something. It may not be all three of these. It may be just one. It may be a high-level context relative to any of these three. But I know that right now, no matter where you're at, no matter how long you've been a believer or have been searching in your life, maybe you've had some ups and downs, God is calling you to something this very morning. So what is it? What is it that God is calling you to? Is he calling you to a place of rest? Is he calling you to rebuild a relationship and to reconcile something that's been broken in your life? Is he calling you to finally tackle that sin that's been deep down and you've been pushing away? Is he finally calling you to to work through that? What is he calling you to do? You know, I I have this, um, you know, going back to my, my childhood, right? So I haven't seen my father since I was two um, I'm actually George or uh, George Albert Ortiz the third. I don't know if you even know that. But here's the thing: I, I've always struggled with that. I've always struggled. You know, this this idea where you leave your father's name has something that I've been gladly to accept. You know, my my dad, you know, has sort of, sort of like this Hispanic heritage. My mom is like insanely white, and so I've always kind of you know. Even though I kind of have this, you know, Hispanic side to me, like the white part is really white, so I always kind of cling to that. And also, I've just never wanted to associate my life with that because it's been such a dark place for me. I feel, like, bad when I think about that. And, you know, this past month, it was this crazy thing. I, um, how many of you guys are on LinkedIn, if you guys know what that is? So, I mean, so it's like a social thing for professionals. Anyway, uh, my name's on there, and I have a profile, and I got this message from Goldman Sachs, which is this other company, and they said, hey, we're having a Hispanic Heritage Networking event. You should come. And I was like, wow, you basically did that because my last name's Ortiz, but okay. <laughs> and then I told Becky, and I was like, yeah, I'm not going go to you know, go to that because I, I really don't associate with that aside. My identity is not associated with that. And, and so Becky was like, no, you should go. It'll be good, you know, and... And maybe there's, uh, you know, other people there that you can inspire and say, hey, you know, I've had the success here and there. And I was like, okay, I'll go. And man, I was, I, uh, and, you know, the weeks leading up to it, I was like, no, this will be good. Like, it was Hispanic Heritage Month, and it'll be good for me to, like, engage. And, like, maybe God is calling me to really come face-to-face with that identity in me. And, and maybe there is something there. Maybe there's a mission. Maybe there's a calling. Maybe there's a ministry opportunity. And so I get there, and it's the day of, and I'm super excited, and I go in. It's this giant building downtown, and, like, everyone's wearing suits, like men in black. And I, I go, and I check in, and they give me a badge, and they scan me in. And I go down this hallway, and there's, like, 12 elevators because some elevators only go to certain things, like certain floors. And so I get into the right one, and this guy gets in, and he's, you know, more his, he's less white than me, um, more Hispanic, and I get in, and, and he's like, hey, are you here for the event? Oh, and I was like, this is it. This is my opportunity, and I say, yes, I am. Uh, I'm George, and he looks at me, like, square in the face, and he's like, you don't look Hispanic, and I'm like, ah, <laughs> oh, strike one, and I was like, maybe, maybe God wasn't calling me to this, and, uh, you know, like, the, the evening just continued to go like that, like, she was asking, like, you know, who here speaks Spanish? And I was sitting in the middle of this, like, giant pack, and, like, all these hands were like, Phew! and I'm just like, oh, 
because I don't. And it was a super challenging thing, right? And, and I don't know, like maybe God is continually going to call me to that, right? Maybe some ministry or something down the road. And, and God knows that I struggle with that. God knows that I'm not reconciled in that, that there's still a piece of me that's broken. And I know that he wants to fix it because I know that God wants that for me. But I don't know if now's the right time. And, and I just know that God might not be calling me to move and, and leave my land and leave my country. God not may, might be calling me to leave the security of my family or my clan. But maybe God is calling me to really put my identity back to him instead of having my identity in the wrong places, in work or family dynamics. See, when... Actually, I, before, um, I want to share this quote um, from John Piper, and I, and I thought it was really good in this context. John writes, God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in him. And I love that. I love the fact that what God was calling Abram to do was to leave everything that he knew Everything that was him that he could stand on and and keep his knees from buckling, God was calling him to leave that and instead to pursue God and to replace those things, his own desires and his own securities and his own things with God. And through that, God is going to glorify not only Abraham and bless Abraham, but the entire earth, even us today. And I think God is calling every single one of you, including me, to this, that when we are most satisfied with the goodness of God, with the grace of God, with the forgiveness of God, that is when God is most glorified. The other interesting thing about this is that when we compare the three things that the Lord was asking uh, asking Abram to leave from, Those are the very things in the previous chapter that the people at Babel were clinging to, right? They were trying not, they were scared of another flood. They they were scared of of being divided, and so they they built a, a larger family, a larger clan. They wanted to be in a single land, in a single place that was known to all of them, and most importantly, they wanted to establish an identity If you remember, they said the reason why we're going to build this tower is so that we will be known for something. And right in the next chapter, God says, no, I'm going to act through Abram and I'm going to contradict those very things, those very things that go against my heart, go against what I want for you. And I'm going to do them through a single individual that will last and span to the, really to eternity. The call. What is God calling you to? The second thing, this next part, I call the promise. Because here's the thing. God may be calling you to, to leave or to change or to challenge you in something. And the reality is, when God calls you, there is always a promise, an assurance that he is going to walk that journey with you. So starting in verse 2, The Lord says, I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. 
that you may have this little community, this land, and I know I'm asking you to take this giant leap of faith, but I promise that I'm actually going to build you up into this great nation. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I know I'm asking you to leave your father's name, but I'm calling you out on faith, and the promise is I will even make your name greater. And you will be a blessing. And in verse 3, I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all the peoples on earth will be blessed through you. This is foreshadowing the lineage and the ultimate redemption of God's people through Jesus Christ. See, from the very first book of the Bible... In chapter 12, there's this prologue and leading up to it, and we see this, and then boom, chapter 12 hits, and he's enacting his storyline all the way through, and he says, Abram, you are going to be the starting point for redemption, for resurrection through Jesus Christ. You are going to be it. And all throughout Scripture, we see an echo of this promise. All throughout, even into the New Testament. Check this out. Acts chapter 3, verse 25. Peter is talking, and he says this. He says, And you are heirs of the prophets and of the covenant God made with your fathers. He said to Abraham, Through your offspring, all peoples on earth will be blessed. Echo. In Galatians chapter 3, verse 7 through 9, Paul writes, Understand. Understand then that those who have faith, whoa, let me restart that. Understand that those who have faith are children of Abraham. Scripture foresaw that God would justify the Gentiles by faith and announced that the gospel in advance to Abraham. And he said, quote, all nations will be blessed through you. And here it is, folks. So those who rely on faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. God may be calling you to something, but I promise that there is a promise there, just like here. And this is what I was talking about earlier, that this, these first nine verses, you can get the entire rest of Scripture, that man is falling, God calls us to put everything that we have, everything that's internal to us, anything that is our identity, our, what makes us human, God calls us to give all of those things to him. All of it. And he makes this promise and he says to Abraham, I will use you to deliver this promise. I will use this to finally enact the most saving act, the most gracious act in all of history. And lastly, the last part, the journey. God will call us to something, and he'll promise to see us through that calling. But it's our job to start the journey. It's our job to take the first step. It's our job to say yes and go. See, in verse 7, the Lord appeared to Abram and said, to your offspring, I will give this land, talking about Canaan and and, and the future Jerusalem. So he built an altar there to the Lord who had appeared to him. From there, he went on toward the hills east of Bethel and pitched his tent 
with Bethel on the west, nay on the east. There he built an altar to the Lord and called on the name of the Lord. Then Abram set out and continued toward Negev. So the reality is that, man, Abram answered God's calling. He turned his faith and everything that he had to God, and he went. He started this amazing journey, which you can read about next, uh, in the next few chapters. We're going to kind of skip over some key events uh, between now and next Sunday. So I encourage you guys to continue reading through chapter uh, 12 all the way through chapter 15. Um, and there's some amazing themes. But one thing I want to point out in these, in these last few verses is that Abraham continued to stop along the journey and recognize God's promises and recognize what God was doing in, her, doing in his life. And he did that, how? By building altars. You know, for some of us, at least for me, God has called me in different capacities throughout my life. Some have been challenging, some have been easier. But in each one of those, it seems like the very next day, I've forgotten. I'm, I'm on to today's struggles. I'm on to today's challenges. And Abram knew that. Abram knew that at the very depths of, of us, at the very depths of human existence, we're forgetful. And so what does Abraham do? He builds an altar. Each time God comes to him, each time, uh, you know, this is the, kind of the first encounter where God appears to the patriarchs, and he continues to do so over the, over the course of, um, uh, of the Bible. But Abraham responds by saying, this is what the Lord has done, and he builds an altar. So I would say, if I know God's calling you on something, and I know that God is going to promise to deliver you through that calling. So your response is to go and to remember that promise and that calling along your journey. So what altars do you have in your life of past callings that God has had? What things do you need to remember and and bring to the forefront of your life right now so that when life comes at you, when the world comes at you, you can point back to that altar and you can point back to that time in your life where God was faithful, where God was righteous, where God was just in your life. Maybe you're in the midst of a journey now. Maybe you're in the midst of a calling. Maybe you're in the midst of trying to understand what God wants for your life. Maybe you're just in the midst of trying to understand whether or not God is real. Remember this time. Because today is a beautiful day. Today is a great day to be alive. And today, God wants something from you. He wants a relationship. He wants to be in the very details of your life. So what does that look like? Let's pray. I hope you've enjoyed listening to the Lakeside Podcast. If you have any questions at all about the message, if you have any struggles you're going through, or if you simply want to respond to what you've heard, we'd love to hear from you. Go to our website at lakesidelife.org and click on the contact page to let us know what's on your heart. We look forward to hearing from you, and we'll see you next time.